welcome back to In The Loop, a WordPress agency podcast by Blackbird Digital. I'm Corey Hugert, and in this year-end holiday special, Phil Hoyt and I interview the big man Matt Mullenweg himself. Just kidding. It's the holiday flashback episode. We're listening to clips of each episode this year and reflecting on the journey. So turn the brightness down on your phone and don your fuzziest PJs. Oh, good. You're wearing them already. As we listen to some clips and live react for the views. As always, if you have questions about WordPress website development, contributing, or anything else web-related that you'd like to hear us discuss, send an email to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as inthelope underscore WP. Blackbird Digital is a web and app development agency that specializes in WordPress, creating on-screen experiences that connect, teach, communicate, and inspire. Visit blackbird.digital for more information. On with the show. The holiday season is here, and that means it's time for our yearly retrospective. You know, take a look at uh, the metrics, uh, check on the KPIs, you know. And Phil, I understand that uh, that you're going to present about which episodes drove the most engagement in a PowerPoint that has been styled to resemble the battle Royale video game. All the kids are playing. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a bracketed system where we pit all of the episodes together. Um, actually we have all of our guests here right now. It's going to be a round of fisticuffs um, at Fortnite style. And they're just going to battle it out and winner takes all mm-hmm. winner, winner, chicken dinner, number one, victory Royale. <laughs> I didn't read this lead up, so that was all off the top of my head. So I, I listened to you to not lead, read the lead up, and I think I, I I nailed it. So you did, you nailed it. I wasn't I wasn't expecting you to lean so much into it. <laughs> <laughs> I right, know well, we... I've had a lot of downtime. So <laughs> well, we're not. Phil does not have a PowerPoint. For, no, of course not. Battle Royale PowerPoint. But we um, are going to listen to some clips throughout the yes. the, the year. Or put, we've got a, we got, so we got a plan B. Um, our podcast editor, Nick Lowers, a.k.a. Fragnum Opus, a.k.a. The Ghost of Christmas Past, has uh, collected some clips from this year's episodes um, for us to listen to live. So, yeah, so we'll do that. I, I have to say, I, I've been really like looking forward to this episode. All, yeah, all the, the clip episode last year was my favorite episode. I wasn't <laughs> in a lot of episode, uh, season one because um, we had a different co-host at that time, and... Um, I feel very intimidated in producing this podcast in general. So the fact that you take it up onto your shoulders uh, this year was is you know huge. I, 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 I feel like it's a it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to put on this podcast. You know, it, a lot of behind the scenes. So I tried to just kind of avoid it. And so whenever I got to ju- uh, hop in for like dev chats and stuff and just kind of speak my mind was like my favorite time. And to be fair, I, it's kind of what I continued doing this year. I just got to be on episodes and talk to really cool people. Well, I'm I'm particularly excited this year because last year, um, last year, you know, I listened back to all of the episodes and I, you know, um, tried tried to clip some stuff and you know, just it's it's literally just a clip episode where I introduce a clip and then you know, it plays. Um, but this year we want to do something a little bit different, so um, we've got we've got clips and we've got us. Right yeah, here, we're going to be re- live reacting to some of our past <laughs> clips. Um, yeah. 
so anyways so um yeah let's do it uh so we begin by going all the way back to february 2022 our first episode of the year titled uh pajamas and burnout i wonder if anything has changed (laughs) i honestly i feel like we went full circle with that title so (laughs) all right let's do it uh right and bottom like margins on the child columns uh it's actually using the gap property of yes flexbox the css gap property this is one step closer to my ideal situation of <laughs> also removing the hard-coded breakpoints so that the theme developers can handle where columns break and all that sort of stuff but one step at a time uh i'm really i just way too excited about the fact that the columns are using <laughs> it came at such a great time because i believe you were just about to try to like kind of oh re-engineer the way the columns block works to some degree um for i was your, trying uh, to figure out how to completely could uh, so another i guess another feature no 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 i'm sorry that came with 5.8 so it's already a thing yeah um blocks can um if you either have um there's like a theme support flag i i forget what it what it is at the moment but there's a theme support flag that you can have all of the core blocks output their css individually and um, what that does is also uh, if a, if a block isn't loaded on a particular page um it doesn't load that css so it only loads the css for the blocks that are on the page so that's that's pretty neat uh, i think that is automatically enabled for block themes or full site editing themes um I was trying to figure out a way to completely override the CSS for just the columns block only, um, because just doing normal CSS overrides with a hard-coded breakpoint is not fun. Nope. <laughs> so I wanted to replace the entire style sheet completely. <laughs> oh, how the times have changed. It sounds so There's... quaint. Yeah, there's so much to unpack there. Um, I think what's so interesting to even just start with, and even just a few months ago, I had like made some snarky tweet about like essentially block gap not existing quite yet um and not being unless you had like gutenberg installed and turned on and et cetera, et cetera. but now we have uh you know spaces sizing and space scaling mm-hmm. inside right. of it and it's completely changed the way i have started to build themes and even in my, like my latest project i'm working on right now i feel so much more liberated i'm not using the spacer block at all i'm mm-hmm. not adding uh, arbitrary paddings and margins uh, using that like up down left right center uh <laughs> input boxes and now we have this nice little slider and there's some units that i've specified uh and they're responsive because i'm just using like clamp or min or you know using some kind of fun- uh, css function inside of the theme json to give myself um these unit sizes and i've named them like small medium large um huge you know kind of like t-shirt size them so my clients can just use these and, you know, use this little slider and get what they want out of it, including with a uh, blocks uh, gap. Uh, I think my snarky tweet was something around the lines of like, oh, it's so insane that we can't like add like four images in a row mm-hmm. and have a certain amount of gap between <laughs> them and blah, blah, blah. And now it's like yeah. three button presses and <laughs> you're just there. And I feel so childish for like, well, I mean, making that tweet. OK, but at the time. Sure. It was hard. And now yeah. it's easy. And that's amazing. Um, yeah. It, you know, the, the thing that the thing that struck me while listening to that is that, you know, I'm going on about the columns block, the columns block, sure. the columns block. It, yeah. That's what we were using for everything. If we needed everything. things side by side, you right. had to use the columns. Yeah. But now we have other options, better options. Yeah. G- group variations have, uh, you know, 
completely changed the way we lay out and our page. Totally. You know, with row and stack. And then, of course, on top of that, being able to do these spacing um, options. It's so much more, you know, it's so much more similar to, you know, how I'd be writing CSS anyways with flex and, and gap properties. I lean on that so much. The parent, the parent should decide how its children are laid out unless one particular child needs, you know, to, to lay itself out differently. Like that's, sure. it's been a huge, just game changer in general for my entire, you know, styling workflow and, you know, to be able to do that in, in the editor itself now. Yeah. It keeps so getting easier to do. And I know, I think that at the tail end there, you're talking about like decoupling the styles and oh, like gosh. having it load on blocks, which is, you know, just a thing that happens now. Yeah. Uh, and even with uh, ACF 2.0, uh, you know, that is just comes prepackaged. ACF uh, you know, 6, 6.0 ACF with 6, blocks version which, 2. Yes, thank you. <laughs> version numbers uh, all over the place. <laughs> all over the place. Uh, yeah, like that just kind of comes by default. It just works the way building a dynamic block for WordPress works. And, you know, it's quite lovely just to have those, uh, uh, you know, styles in JavaScript load uh, dependent on if the block's on the page or not. Yeah, so you know uh, uh, not i'm not bothering I, i'm i don't i don't have these delusions of i'm just going to replace the css for the columns no it can I, be what it's gonna, i don't even know honestly i don't even know if the columns lock block is finally using the actual gap property or if it's still relying on margins i don't even know because i don't use it anymore for those for those reasons <laughs> yeah. so i don't yeah i don't pay attention to it enough to know specifically what it's using but i feel like it, it has found its place inside of my layouts um, it, it, and it's not like the default anymore. It right. is just like something I use when I need a column and not a layout tool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's move on since we've yeah, got lots of clips here. So, um, we're going to, so that was pajamas and burnout. Nothing's changed. <laughs> I'm still in PJs. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely still burnt out. <laughs> Corey's pajamas and I'm burnt out. <laughs> oh, perfect. All right. So next up, uh, Accessibility by default with Bet Hannon. That was episode 13. Let's roll the clip. What is like the elevator pitch, right? Of, of you know, even if they're asking for it, like, well, well, here's all the things that you probably need to keep in mind about accessibility and your role into it or, you know. Well, that's not where I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to go <laughs> toward uh, some kind of release of liability, because mm. I think as, a develop as developers and designers, your contract should have a release of liability that acknowledges that the ultimate responsibility for making sure the website is accessible is with the site owner. Noted. So, and there is, uh, if you remind me, we can get the link. There's a link to... Um, before the WordCamp US talk I gave, uh, Ryan Kinney, who's an uh, intellectual property lawyer um, and does a lot of stuff with WordPress folks, we worked on a, a kind of um, a template for release of liability. This is what you could put in, in your, in your uh, contracts. And we definitely do that. Even when we do an audit right, for accessibility, we can't guarantee that we're getting everything. We can't guarantee where um, it'll be there. And then acknowledging that con anytime someone edits your website, it can go out of compliance. So making sure that you note that it's, it's the, the client's responsibility. Um, in terms of how do you make people understand that it is their responsibility? Well, I think that's one way that that's you can do that is contractually yeah. and say, uh -huh. this is your responsibility legally. You, and that you know, you're releasing us from liability. Um, I think 
uh, another way is to uh, and and to put in your contract that that we will build this site out to uh, as uh, to the best of our ability to WCAG 2.1 AA standards. Um, and then you get that release of liability. But then when the client comes back and pushes back on something, no, I want, do. I want that. I don't, I don't like that darker color. Uh, then we come back with an additional release. Of, uh, what I do uh, is come back with an additional release of liability. You have been informed that this color, this hex code, and this color font do not meet minimum accessibility standards according to this, blah, blah, blah. There may be other issues where we notify you that you do not meet standards. You, uh, you confirm that you are releasing us from liability. And in addition, that if you are sued, you will pay all of our related legal expenses. Mm. Now, because... If they do get sued, there will almost certainly be depositions. It'll almost certainly be not in your hometown. You'll, you know, uh, things are changed a lot with COVID now. We don't have to like uh, they're not demanding people be on site as much as they used to, right? You can sure. do things, as, but there will be expenses and time, right? That you're going to have to give to that whole business, right? So you're when you say now you got to pay for my expenses related to your getting sued now because you are not following my advice nine times out of 10 people will go oh i guess i should pay better and more attention to that okay i'll, I'll go with mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. but occasionally they won't and i've been really surprised that there are a few occasions where like no 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 we fought long and hard over that color for the color scheme and we've got to keep it i'm like okay you, you've signed off. Yeah. You've, you know, uh, it's no skin on, you know, it's sort of right. like, uh, now my thing, we will not be putting you in our accessibility portfolio anymore, <laughs> but you know, um, Fair, yeah. but you know, it's kind of a, a way that you uh, up the ante in terms of helping them understand that they have a legal responsibility. Yeah. So that, uh, you might've, you might've heard some chuckles in there from the, uh, the, uh, other co-host in, in that episode, Jack Watson, uh, designer here at Blackbird. Yeah, that was, oh, man, that was that episode. Bet, I got to tell you, Bet is such a focused accessibility advocate and like super business savvy, obviously, like if you yeah, can tell from that. Clip. That was a lot of uh, legal and business speak that I am uh, not attuned to. <laughs> but just, yeah, so that that conversation was so eye-opening and even even after watching her WordCamp presentation from like i think it was like the year before just I, I i cannot implore everyone enough to just go back and listen to that whole episode if you're still yeah. trying to figure out this whole you know accessibility thing and and with what we do for a living it it's it's you know it 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 has gotten to the point where, you know, we as builders of digital spaces, you know, need to follow certain rules and regulations the same way that, you know, actual like building developers, real building people, you know, have to have to do as well. It's, it's, sure. it's part of this business and we all need to be familiar with it. So, yeah, there were so many good takeaways in that clip, you know, just <laughs> covering yourself legally from issues. Uh, and also like just something that was less like business and legal, something that I deal with all the time is 
sometimes it's not your fault as a, the developer uh, for why something turned out the way that it turned out. Sometimes you're just building it the way that you're told to build it. And, um, you know, it's good to protect yourself from that. All right. Yeah. Go listen to that episode. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next, uh, next episode, episode 14, all the webs of stage with Ali Nimitz. And, and, you know, before we start, I, I, I gotta say that, that I was a little, was a little star starstruck going into this uh into this interview like the Allie Nimmons herself came onto this podcast and had a chat with us and I, and <laughs> I'm just a, just a little bit of a behind the scenes here we had some some technical issues while we were doing the recording and we had to start over completely uh and move to a different platform for the for the recording which you know that platform happens to have a 45 minute free uh, time limit and so the only reason why that episode is so short is because of that and I, we could have talked for another hour plus uh maybe, yeah, maybe just a repeat fantastic. guest for next year <laughs> <laughs> we'll um all right let's play the clip first clip um, so my journey with WordPress started when I dropped out of college because I didn't want to major in theater anymore. Um, I didn't like my program and it was like massively competitive and I didn't want to do the whole starving artist thing. Um, and I had a long background in theater ever since I was small, but I was like, I don't know if this is what I want to do for a career. Uh, but so I sat down and I was like, well, what, what can I do in that same like theater vein? That's very collaborative and creative and process oriented. And, you know, I like, I like having a, something to show at the end of that process, like a final result. Um, and yeah, in my, in my musings about that web design came up um, because building a website is uh, deceptively similar to putting on a, a production. So um, I started teaching myself HTML and CSS out of library books, which is uh, such a <laughs> such a weird thing to do <laughs> to write code uh, with a pencil and a notebook by hand. Um, but I was like, I want to learn like the basics and like how this actually works and how things are structured and the curly brackets and all of that stuff. And as I learned and started actually using a computer to write code and so on, I realized that I really did not like coding. That's not <laughs> my path. That's not my journey. I enjoyed the process of like designing a website. And like, I liked all of the things that I started learning about, like color theory and typography and like, you know, UI UX sort of things. Um, but I really hated actually writing the code. But I, I stuck with it and I applied for a job at an agency in early 2015 um, as a junior web developer, which I thought sounded so fancy. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to like build the most amazing things. And it really ended up being a mishmash of a lot of different roles because they didn't, it was a crappy agency and they didn't want to hire other people. Mm -hmm. So I did sort of build some websites, but I built them with a theme that the company had purchased one license for and was using that same install for every single client site. Oh no. Um, so I learned a lot about debugging websites that crashed. <laughs> I learned a lot about, you know, um, you know, that kind of weird patchwork stuff that I didn't I didn't know at the time was not the way you're supposed to do it. <laughs> 
I resonate with uh, her journey so much still. I, I believe I even mentioned this in the episode. So if you have the time, go listen to it again. But, you know, I had such a parallel to that story. I mean, I wanted to be a filmmaker, you know, as a child, like and, and all the way through, you know, out of college and in my early adulthood. Uh, and I too, like uh, this was before YouTube. I, I went to the library and wanted to like figure out how to put my work on the web. And I learned how to build websites out of books. I actually got frustrated because no books at the time really explained FTP access very well or, or domains <laughs> and DNS very well. Uh, but I had learned enough like HTML and CSS from books uh, in my very early career of uh, building websites. Um, and it was only after graduating college and trying to be a filmmaker professionally where, you know, the money that I was getting from building websites was outweighing how much it was from producing videos. And, uh, you know, I went that direction. And also just like that, you know, and you have a similar ish experience of like mm -hmm. going to an art school yep. and, um, you know, coming out of it and, and going into an agency. Um, I, I think this is your only agency, I believe so. But, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, not immediately, but eventually. And I, I, I did actually have that experience of going to like that janky agency that yeah, was sure. like using, and this was 2009, 2008, possibly around that time. So it was like the, the web was a much different place, but we were not using WordPress exclusively. Lots of standards were not present. Bootstrap was not even a thing yet. Like we were still figuring things out. I think even in my interview, I was asked point blank, do I build websites with tables or divs? So it's like, that's how. <laughs> long ago this was um but yeah like what, what what answer were they expecting <laughs> oh they were definitely expecting uh divs so like yeah i and okay. i was up on i was on the up i was using floats left and rights everywhere <laughs> yeah, you know right right <laughs> i i you know i loved the the library as a child myself but i wasn't i wasn't going there for you know coding books um i was i was going there to uh make a beeline to the section with the origami books mm. and then i would take like three or four over to those little tables <laughs> where they had like you know a couple tiny little golf pencils and like some scrap paper that was cut up from i don't know whatever sure <laughs> i would sit there and make little frogs and dragons and yeah, i still know the, how to make Xerox all the scraps stuff. and you made a bunch of origami <laughs> yeah, exactly. art with it still remember how to make all those things that i learned there but i probably should have been putting that time towards what i'm doing now but i'm i yeah yeah no 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 regrets no regrets no regrets what a great story though <laughs> all right next clip you wanted to learn how to make websites what was that what was the impetus there is it just something that like at at that point in time you know i mean i guess at that point in time everybody's using the internet um so was it just the sort of thing where you you know were kind of interested in the inner workings of of, of websites at the time or you just kind of threw a dart at, uh, at a dartboard <laughs> it's a little mixture of both it was, it was very much kind of throwing a dart at a dartboard because you know i was 20 or 19 and i just dropped out of college after you know being being on this college path for so long and I was like I need to find something to do right like I can't afford to like just hang out like I, I have to find a job and I didn't want a oh I'm gonna go work at Target sort of a job like I was like okay I need to if I'm not going to build my career path in college I have to build my 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 career path independently um 
And it was literally just like thinking about, well, like what, what are the, the high paying career paths out there and how, like, are there any that have parallels to what I already know how to do? And web design and development made just a lot of sense. Um, and it was, it was intriguing because being a millennial, being a child of the internet, like web pages are all I've known. Like I was one of those billions of kids who um, did learn basic HTML through editing my MySpace page mm -hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, man, there's a whole industry, a gigantic growing industry. You know, that's, that's what everyone older than me has, has been saying the past 15 years is like, oh, you know, the future is in tech. You gotta, kids have to learn to code, right? Like it's this huge push and this huge, huge movement right now. And so it just, it made a lot of sense for me to try to jump into that and see if it was something that I w was interested in and good at. Um, and yeah, the more that I worked at it and the more that I found that, you know, web development is not just one thing, right? Like the, the, the industry of building websites is enormous and varied and includes lots of different skill sets. So I don't have to, to know how to code in order to do that. I can use something like WordPress, which is whenever I'm trying to sell someone on WordPress, I'm like, do you want to build a site without having to learn to code? Well, have I got something for you, right? <laughs> like it's this, it's this amazing um, resource that enables you to kind of do both. Oh, the old internet, <laughs> the uh, thing that we all pine for and, you know, uh, but we're all part of, sure, we're all yeah. part of the new internet now, which the, is just chewing us up and spitting us out. <laughs> the nostalgia bomb that is the early internet. Uh, right. for sure. Uh, you know, wh how, wh how did you land on WordPress, Corey? I know how I did. How did you land on WordPress? Well, you can, well, I'll, I'll, I'll save you. I'll save you the time here. You can go and listen to the very first episode of the podcast. <laughs> Um, where we talked about why WordPress and I talked at length, probably to way too long, honestly, about my, <laughs> um, about where I came from and, and how I eventually got there. The, the, the story involved many tangents that didn't get to WordPress. It kind of a mess, but, um, yeah, all you really need to know is art school and then, uh, focusing on, on, you know, programming stuff because, you know, I wasn't the best artist at art school, go figure. And then, um, uh, you know, working at a publishing uh, vendor company doing textbook stuff, but wanting to try to branch out into digital stuff, um, but only really willing to, you know, hire one kid out of college to accomplish that. Uh, and then finally uh, finding uh, WordPress and really enjoying the process of, you know, building sites and, um, focusing on that and, and then finally getting hired here at blackbird uh yeah 2015 so there you go there's the short and sweet of it but it it you know thinking back like just you know how how ali came into um just learning in general about web development you know um it almost makes me a little it certainly makes me nostalgic, but a little bit sad for, you know, people just starting out these days. It's got to be so much, di so you know, different, yeah. so, so much more, so much Definitely more, There's so much. A lot of information. And, you know, 
I feel like the paths were a little more straightforward when we were getting started. Uh, you know, you, you Google how to become a web developer and it's like learn HTML, CSS. And nowadays it's like, learn (laughs) React. Or at the time it was just HTML. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't feel bad for them. You know, they got options. They'll figure it out. They're smart. No, sure. Yeah. Smart, smart people. All right. Yeah. The next episode is uh, episode 15. Number goes up. This is a dev chat. Just, just me and Phil. Just, uh, <laughs> this was, uh, this was around the, t- well, yeah, the, I'll just play. I'll just play. The I'll clip. just get into it. I, I see accidental grouping happen a lot. Yeah. Um, or at least I, I, I did. Up. Yeah, I, I think it might still happen. We'll, we'll see. But I, I kept seeing instances where the kind of structure of blocks being grouped together and grouped again and grouped again, not for a particular reason, but just because I don't know, it just ended up that way. Copy pasting. Who knows? Right. Um, I think overall, the editor has improved in, in terms of kind of giving an idea of where you're editing stuff. In, but I'm hoping that things being collapsed by and and the fact that the the outline view is collapsed by default too doesn't really help. But I always I always point it out to the clients if I get a chance. Like you should probably check out this outline view. It really helps you to understand the structure of the yeah of the box. And I, I feel like something that is coming with this release, and maybe or maybe it's just in one of the later versions of Gutenberg that I'm using lately, is that when you do click into a block, it, the outline goes to it a lot more consistently mm-hmm. than it yeah. was previously. Right. Um, before you could click on something and then you'd go over to the outline and start scrolling to figure out where it was and um it feels like it scrolls to it now um if i remember correctly i don't have yeah, it at least from, highlights it i think at it least highlights it um but i feel like now it even like yeah it's getting it's definitely gotten better in recent months than it was um previously yeah um yeah okay and just a couple I, and, Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> I was going to move on, but if you had something else. Yeah, no, I, I mean, we just have the multi-block select also highlighted mm-hmm. here, which is something I'm very much interested in. Uh, in my personal life, I use Notion, and they added this recently in the last couple mm. months, too. And I didn't realize how much I was missing this until it got added. And, you know, you have, like, um, you know, just multiple, you know, they very, have a very similar structure to Gutenberg with, you know, essentially blocks in Notion. Um when you're selecting two different blocks, uh, text between two different blocks or something like that, it, it, you know, it would often select the entire block. And Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. So this is actually very much a quality of life type thing, but I don't think you understand how frustrating it <laughs> is for you until it actually works the way you right. think it would work. Uh, right. And then all of a sudden your brain just kind of melds. It's like, oh, my God, it, there was a better way the whole time. Like, this is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Like The things that we take for granted now. <laughs> I still see random groups uh, all the time and random groupings uh, Mm. or uh, something. It's been hard to explain groups to clients recently, and it's only gotten more complex with the variations. While they're amazing for layouts, uh, Mm -hmm. I did have to do like some like crazy grouping magic in front of a client because they were like, oh, how do I get this like button in this uh, link to be kind of centered on, on each, uh, with each other? And, you know, I, you know, grouped them, I stacked them, I removed the block gap, I uh, set the alignment to center, but then I had to like uh, group all the all the blocks surrounding it to then get it to like then align that particular block to the mm-hmm. left to make it look like it was left line text and blah, blah. And I was like, wow, this is really complicated. And the client was like impressed but also like not capable of doing it themselves. Um, And also while I was like working on their own content, I was seeing like kind of just like 
random groups that were like empty at the mm-hmm. end or and, and an issue that i had with uh with gutenberg uh in the really early days was like trailing paragraph tags that mm-hmm. were empty and I, i'm still noticing a lot of that and I think one thing kind of helped solve it and maybe made the group block a little less usable was like now when you create a group block, it is just like a big square with a plus icon, which is like fine. But like also like because it doesn't have that default paragraph in the middle of it, it's like a couple extra steps to start adding another block. Mm. I don't know. All that being said, it's all gotten way easier to use in general. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've even begun using like the, the block editor as like a design tool uh, lightly um, using that word uh, to, you know, just kind of scaffold out my content and lay it out without having to like, you know, maybe bring it into Figma or write it out on a piece of paper or put it even in Google docs. I'm just kind of like designing it as I'm going and it's, it's, it's feeling better every release. Yeah. Can can you, can you believe that Gutenberg, you know, at at some point didn't have, inner blocks <laughs> yeah that, it started without a group block like sure yeah yeah we didn't have inner blocks we, and the things that we torture ourselves with. right and you know and all these other blocks that are just like you know finally adopting inner blocks you know uh, list and navigation and uh buttons and um uh, icons and all these kind of things that are you know really utilizing how the you know how we use inner blocks and repetition and all that kind of stuff. yeah i mean look the the group stuff can get complicated but as as web developers we we know that you just sometimes you just need more divs 100 percent. <laughs> <Right? laughs> i will say one giant pet peeve i know this is a long podcast going even longer is like they recently reverted an aspect of the image block where it used to be wrapped in a div which i know isn't super semantic but it's what was solving uh, you know, the weird margin issues that we're having when we're aligning left and right, uh, you know, you'd add an extra div around it so it would, um, you know, fit on the content. But now if you, again, it, it keeps flip-flopping, which is also a little bit annoying, but if mm. you align left or right without grouping, um, it goes all the way to the side of the yeah, page, uh, you know, right. and it just looks funny. And I had to explain this to a client recently and I was just like, oh, just take the text and the image and group it and now it'll work. But it's like, what a weird thing to have to explain to somebody like why sure. like i'm because they're coming from google docs or word and they're lining images and it just starts wrapping around the text and it looks normal and it's like mm-hmm. and then they try to do a very similar experience thing in the editor and i get it's not a semantic but it, it's one of the downfalls of using margins to like center content well yeah. maybe hopefully we'll look back next year and go ah oh, yeah that maybe. one thing that really bugged us <laughs> is not a problem anymore it's great we'll see <laughs> All right, let's see here. Next clip. The title of it is WordPress Market Share is Shrinking. Um, and yeah, oh. I thought this was a very interesting article. I think that is a huge number that everybody, you know, we're constantly, oh, it's 40%, it's 42%, 43%. It's something you hear all the time. Like we want to own 50% of the internet. It's, it's mm-hmm. mentioned at every state of the word. It's something I've heard in sales pitches when pitching WordPress to a, a client. It's like, well, it's 40 some percent of the internet. It can't be bad, you know? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, apparently uh, for the first time in a long time, we've lost some market share between uh, in February. Um, and you just going through this article, uh, uh, Yoast has a handful of uh, 
speculation on why he believes that might be uh why, why that might be how that might be able to be fixed and uh i thought it was a very interesting article um yeah. what were your initial thoughts when well, you let me let this? me put this yeah. in context a little bit so so you know we've got the, the this market share number at 43.3 percent in february and in march and then it shows april's 43.0 and the same for may and then on the 11th so that's today as we're recording this 42.9. So so we're talking about point, you know, a 0.4%, not even a single percentage uh drop, but you know, as they as they talk about in the article, this is like the first time ever that there has been any drop whatsoever uh, apparently in this, you know, and how they are calculating the market share of of WordPress. I don't know. What do we think about this? I mean, is this a, is what? this a, you know doom and gloom, or do we got to jump ship right away and and start oh, doing Drupal sites? Been, What's going on? I've been trying to jump ship for a decade at this point. So no. <laughs> you still trying to jump ship, Phil? I'm always trying to jump ship. I I don't want to be on anybody's ship. I just want to be drowning. Uh, you know, we're all just floating, waiting for somebody that's walking on water. But um. You know, I re listening to this clip, I don't care, you know, like, <laughs> you know like, I don't care that we, I, I haven't followed up if we are still, maybe that's what you're Googling over there, but like, I, I don't know yeah, if I'm we've trying. lost market share or gained market share. I don't know if it matters so much. I do think though, um, you know, a different, slightly uh, off topic, but on topic, it, you know, in 2023, I, I think WordPress needs to focus on um, recapturing its current audience and what it's capable of nowadays. You know, we, it, it the site editor is getting better every day. The, the block editor is getting better every day. Um, certain aspects of WordPress in general are just getting better every day. You know, lots of performance uh, improvements. Um, I, I I think we need to have a marketing push that's like explaining to, that's demonstrating, not just explaining, demonstrating to its current user base and potential future user base um, that, uh, how much better it's gotten and where it's going. Um, I you know I think we. It, I, I think we've done a great job of getting better and we've done a terrible job of telling everybody. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I guess there's a, there's a follow-up um, post or maybe not follow-up, but it maybe just does this a lot. Yoast, uh, Yoast um, on his uh, blog, but you know, it looks like, yeah, I mean, the market share has continued to just kind of like very gently decline while sure. we, you know, Wix and, and Squarespace, you know, at that time when we were all when we were all kind of going nuts about this, you know, um, they had, they gained some some market share. They're still way below, but they gained some, and then they leveled off seemingly as yep. well. So I don't know. Um, it's just you know, I mean, people want to be able to just go and and build sites, and you know, to be fair, WordPress has been trying to address that for a long time sure. with Gutenberg, and we all know that probably the 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 largest sort of hurdle to overcome is that whole just that whole onboarding kind of experience that yeah uh, you know wordpress used to be quote unquote famous for its five minute setup right but now <laughs> we need setup, we sure. need that for gutenberg we need it i think that's so interesting to say though i mean even in general there's still a huge barrier to entry for any self-hosted wordpress site you have to buy a domain set up the dns buy hosting install wordpress set up WordPress and now you're finally ready to go. Like, you know, that is a lot of steps versus like I'm on Squarespace, please build right. me a new site. And then, you know, you can buy the domain name there. It's that's on the, the hosting provider to, sure. to, 
to provide those here. sorts of tools. And and to be fair, mm-hmm. plenty of them are. Sure, but that's know, also a different WordPress, experience on every single one. Exactly. Like, yeah. And there's not really, you know, unless Automatic and WordPress.com are trying to be that, but I don't know. I don't think they are. You know, I think they definitely want that market share to some degree, but I, there was some tweet Mullenweg put out a while back like saying how many sites out of the WordPress like stats are .com, and it was not a lot it was very yeah, small sure. i was very like shocked to be honest um but yeah I, I don't know if it matters as much anymore that we're you know our market share is plateauing yeah i mean you can't infinite growth is is a myth <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i think a lot of companies are figuring that out right now yeah right all right let's move on to the final clip of this episode I was looking to re-enter the WordPress space or re-enter a different um, space. Um, And I did a quick Google Trends search for the word WordPress. And I was just very curious, where has it gone? Um, And I I even tweeted about this way back when. That tweet's definitely been deleted by now, um, just because I delete all my tweets. But... um, and the graph is very telling. Um, you know, when I had entered the space, at least at a professional level, um, it was at the highest it ever was. So that around 2010 to 2014 um, like was the highest it had ever been in, in trending. And it, I actually, you know, as someone who's part of that community, felt that. Uh, I was going to WordCamps. I was making WordPress products. I was selling WordPress to people. It was It was a very interesting time to be part of WordPress because it felt like everybody was talking about it. The web was getting filled with more information about this, about WordPress. Um, but I don't feel that so much anymore. When I'm entering the tech space um, outside of my small little Twitter space, hmm. um, WordPress is very much an afterthought for a lot of people. It's it might it's actually almost become the thing that you tack onto a, an app. Uh, again, uh, we went from like WordPress being that thing that you tacked onto a larger application, you know, maybe a, an old ASPX website True, to get um, a blog in it, to get a blog. And then it became a CMS. And now it's almost kind of back to that. Like now we have like some kind of Ruby on Rails or JS app that you then need a blog. So you tack it on. Um, I've seen a lot of people using Gatsby in that way. You know, they have a React app and they're already familiar with React and then they'll use like headless WordPress and, mm-hmm. um, you know, tap into WordPress that way. You know, yeah, that a continuation of the previous clip uh, in a lot of ways right there. <laughs> yeah. um, and it actually has been really difficult to recommend. You know, I try to recommend WordPress as an alternative, but, um, you know, I've talked to a handful of people who are having issues with maybe their Squarespace site or their Shopify site. And I'm like, I, I pro- WordPress has gotten so good. Like, I, I, I promise you, let me build you a full site editing site with uh, WooCommerce and let me and it's been a hard sell. I've not been able to really convert a lot of people at that level. I would love to, you know, that is a conversation I want to be having. And I think we're getting so close. I know WooCommerce just came out with a new block update and it is so good. It's it's not exactly where I need it to be, but it's getting better. Like Mm -hmm. every release and, but it's a hard conversation. It's hard to even bring up in those conversations. And that's honestly getting frustrated for me because it is like getting better. It's getting so good. And you own your website. You you have control to make your product pages as complicated or not as complicated as you need them. But you're not beholden to these other platforms. I think that right there, though, is, you know, a double-edged sword to a degree. And we don't see it that way as sure. being so deeply embedded into WordPress and being so familiar with how to customize it via, you know, bare metal sure. you know, code. 
Um, but the, the idea of having to pay, you know, for all these different, you know, little services or the, the domain name, the hosting, uh, different plugins or whatever, um, and then, you know, manage WordPress updating itself and plugins updating that, like, I, that probably is what, you know, scares the most people off versus Squarespace, Wix, whatever, just sure. you yeah. build the site and there it is. And you don't worry about any of those details. And I don't know, can WordPress ever be that kind of package? I don't, I don't think so. No, but I think it's definitely for a different, um, your business might eventually get to the point where you need that customization. Right. And then, yeah, you will um, want to be on WordPress and need to migrate over to it. Yeah, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if it'll ever be the default unless some hosting company comes like really figures it out. <laughs> yeah. Right. The one click solution. I, uh, I went and I was curious. So I went and, and took a look at the uh, Google trends for, I see it here. Yeah, for the word crap. WordPress. Um, and yeah, I, I can see in that graph that, you know, 20, you know, after 2010, that seemed to be like the peak and it, and it kept going until about 2014 ish, 2015 ish, but just a very slow decline since, since then. And, you know, to be, to be fair, it does seem to be leveling out in the yeah. past couple of years with a bit of an uptick around when there was a lot of conversation about gutenberg i think sure um but then you know it you know i <laughs> I, I i did something dumb i i tried to compare <laughs> it to the word gutenberg, gutenberg. yeah i see and, that you know and so the 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 trend line is like super like you know low Black. underneath low. right and and it's like this, this very tail end of like very tiny numbers so it almost looks like it's just the floor underneath this big hill right but then there's like this ridiculous spike <laughs> um towards you know towards the end of it and that spike happens to be in april of 2021 and i'm like what mm -hmm. the heck happened with gutenberg like it had to like was that was there something in wordpress with gutenberg no, that... no. every high school made their students do a report <laughs> on the gutenberg uh and yeah, that's, <laughs> no. that's 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 the only reason why that spike exists no the the so i i figured out that there was a google doodle about uh, i was almost correct in april on april 14th 2021 yeah. so that huge <laughs> spike that even <laughs> it gets a little bit higher than the highest point of the WordPress graph sure. was about, was a Google doodle. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't really make any of the other like searches work. I tried like things like block editor and stuff like that, but then I was yeah. getting a lot of weird noise from like Minecraft. Mm. searches. <laughs> um, so, you know, whatever. well, I am happy to see the trend plateauing. Um, you know, it feels good to be in wordpress right now it's it's definitely not it's 2014 hype train but um if you're in the twitter space for wordpress it feels great to be there right now you know we are seeing just tons sort of, of sort of for sure. the moment for the moment uh, yeah well <laughs> maybe that's a problem with twitter uh and not a problem with the community but the wordpress community on twitter is interesting to follow right yes. now because yeah people are just posting so much about everything they're building, what they're excited about, what's coming down the pipeline. Um, you know, just, it, and it's great. It, it, I, if you're not in that space, I wouldn't join it because Twitter is a um, sinking <laughs> ship, but it, it at least feels good for the moment. Yeah. I, I'm hoping to figure out, I mean, I feel like 
I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm not talking about Twitter. All right, let's move on. It's all good. Let's move on. I, you know, this next episode is one of my favorites. It was with Aruba uh, and it was labeled uh, just build it with Aruba. And yeah, we talked about so many great things. Let's get into this. Yep. Episode 16. Here we go. We all saw yesterday, actually, as of this recording, mm-hmm. uh, June, today's June 3rd, right? Is it the 3rd? Yep. Yeah. It is. So yesterday on the 2nd, um, WP Engine and Delicious Brains announced that WP Engine is acquiring all of the Delicious Brains plugins, five of them. And one of mm-hmm. them is ACF, AC. which which they seem just, to have just gotten recently. So which yeah. just changed exactly hands a year like ago. Last, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like to the date or mostly just I'm pretty of... sure it was to the date. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I I don't know I don't know what to feel about that. I don't I I never really know what to feel about any acquisitions in the WordPress space, honestly. I know it's it's a topic of discussion that but I don't know. It's hot. <laughs> it's definitely I mean, hot. It, it's in the Twitter sphere, but I also don't see a lot of negatives coming out of it. Like you hear about acquisitions in other fields, like the gaming industry or tech mm-hmm. industries in general, and it's like, oh well that company imploded, but I'm not really getting that sense in our ecosystem, luckily. Can can I be can I be the negative Nancy today? <laughs> yeah, of I course. I'm like, yeah, I'm always the negative person. <laughs> I have Let's go like for a, it. I have this I have this fe- feeling. It, so like this this stems out of like I am a big proponent of 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 building native blocks or at least you you know using the blocks as they are um, patterns etc. And for the last mm, two two big sites that I'm work I've worked on, I I didn't install ACF on them, and right. I I didn't because cool. you know first of all, so I've I've also you know kind of set up A this long. scaffolding and workflow for myself, um, which I think you 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 peaked at yep. uh, once before. I did, and it's Thanks really good. That. Your your issue is still open. Um, <laughs> haven't <laughs> haven't uh, haven't made any progress towards a, a setup script, um, but maybe one day. Uh, but but yeah. So you know we've got the scaffolding. I've got you know got the blocks kind of scaffolded out, and I don't. It would be nice to have a little script to go make another block. But right now I'm copying the example block. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but anyways. Um, so you know the the more I use like you know, the native blocks and the more I get into like, like, um, just, just recently a website that we just launched, I, I needed, um, a a custom meta value, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, on the post. Right. And because I needed to, I needed to pull that meta value out to show like in an excerpt or something. Right. right? And that's like classic, like ACF, right. Make a custom field. And then you can just in your excerpt, you can query it, you get the field, yeah. etc. Um, but you know, I've 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 discovered the uh, uh, use entity prop prop mm-hmm. uh, API, and I'm still I'm still a little unclear about what all the entities are and what all I can query out of them. But it's really super simple to get uh, the meta, the post yeah. meta. It's a whole object of all of the meta involved, and just get and set fields. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing that I feel is missing from that kind of workflow is that the ACF makes, you know, really super simple, like, here's a bunch of different fields that you can use, pop them right in. Like, you have a you have a UI for it, so it's going to be yeah. simpler regardless. But, like, here's something that'll grab other posts, here's something that'll grab, you know, whatever. So we don't quite have the same thing. And right. let, me, 
sorry, this was a roundabout way of, of, <laughs> of talking about this acquisition because I, I almost feel like maybe, maybe it sold the first time because the writing is on the wall a little bit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like had to get into this whole block thing and it's complicated and there's a native API that's much better than WordPress ever did have before for doing complex stuff like this. And right. maybe delicious brain saw that too. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know that this is my yeah, interesting. Yeah. speculation as someone who has seen like, you know, I remember when the customizer definitely promised a lot of things that never came to fruition. Um, mm -hmm. Realistically, um, even the widgets area before that kind of had a lot of promises that never really Infrition short codes kind of were what they always were and never had any promises and kind of it yeah. still work though. It still work. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if they writing on the wall is like the correct like I, I maybe it does need to you know turn to it. I think we're already in version two of the ACF blocks and maybe we'll see a version three That's a lot marries a lot closer to native blocks and I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's the one downside to using ACF and as someone who uses ACF on every single project currently in some small capacity, um, you know, the downside is, is that you lose that editing experience that Gutenberg gives you for better or for worse sometimes. But, um, right. you know, you're immediately going back to the repeater field to like add columns and stuff like that, which doesn't feel nearly as intuitive as Gutenberg blocks. And if they're able to somehow marry those two together, um, I would like to see it because <laughs> anything to prolong me from having to learn more React is bet no. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I can see. I didn't read all of. I did read the original acquisition from like a year ago for ACF. I did not read the whole entire. I only like skimmed it yesterday. It literally came out yesterday. So. There's not much to um, say. I mean, not right. yeah. So I didn't really they acquired it. Yeah, I, I guess I just didn't see the roadmap per se for anything. And I don't know if that blog post would even have it, but it doesn't seem like, you know, it, it's so important to the ecosystem. There's absolutely no way I can yeah, see it being abandoned. And, and, um, and, and lifetime licenses are still being yes, uh, honored. Yes. So, yeah. And Dunk yeah. Engine owns my favorite hosting company. So they Me can't too. be evil. Please don't be evil. They, they, own, <laughs> they, they own Flywheel, who I just adore. So. Mm. Ding, I think they're pretty good stewards, yeah, right. honestly. I agree. Yeah, generally, I, seemingly, yeah, yeah. I mean, they did really well with local. I still use local. I yeah, love local. local. <laughs> yeah, huge game changer for me. I was using so many different ways to host until local came along. And <laughs> I should stay away from speculating. <laughs> yeah, for shame, Corey. Um, <laughs> I, for one, believe, and I've always believed, that Delicious Brains was an amazing steward for ACF. And how dare you even question the fact that they would ruin such an amazing platform? No. Um, yeah, no, ACF has only gotten better this year. Yeah, it keeps getting better and better and better. The, the, the UI is better. Um, I think the one thing I, you know, re-listening to this clip, the one thing I, I still think about is like, uh, yeah, that that marriage between um, dynamic blocks, native blocks, uh, you know, you know, again, I, I, I mentioned going to the repeater block, it would be so interesting if we could somehow get like, you know, how uh, like groups work where you have the plus icon and then you can right. add additional rows and columns. So if we get something like that inside of um, 
the block editor for uh, ACF blocks. That would be huge. But uh, what they have done this year is just amazing. And I, of course, use uh, ACF Extended as well on top of that, which I, I'm not, I haven't followed in their updates here. But like those two just together have just been a complete game changer. And the ACF block API 2.0, which we talked about earlier, is just so lovely. And yeah, I, I yeah. I feel only I feel silly. I feel silly for saying that you, you know, should maybe, feel silly. Maybe you know they. Oh, WordPress has these great tools now. <laughs> you don't need ACF. Any, no, I mean, developer tools will always be, you know, will always be part of the of of the agency you know, <laughs> lifestyle, right? Like, there's yeah. always going to be a place for like making our lives easier, and ACF definitely does that. So, thank Not you. ACF. And also, WP Engine, you know, ha, you know, hasn't tanked anything. Um, I don't think that, that you know WP Engine is the, the acquisition is solely responsible for everything you know no, that sure. happened this year in ACF, but um, you know they kept they kept it going right. Okay. Anyways, yeah. let's let's hopefully hear hear more from actual from uh, Aruba herself this time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, e- even 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 that being true, I still I, I admire the um, the the willingness to to make a decision and, and make a commitment to just build a thing and put it out there. Uh, that's, that is for me, at least one of the hardest steps. Mm. Definitely. Uh, because you know, I've had plenty of plugin ideas as well. Um, some yeah. of them even kind of exist as a, not, not as public things that we might have right. needed here at, at the agency, you know, a couple places, but, but it always seems like, you know, I have these ideas. I'll build something for a specific project. And I go, mm-hmm. okay, that's that's a thing that could be taken out and and made into a plugin. And and maybe I don't have time to like formalize it that way. But I need a similar thing in the next site. And then I right. find that I I can't just copy it verbatim. Like I, yeah. I always end up changing it. And and so that that makes me terrified that if I were to try to put out a real actual plugin that people rely mm-hmm. on i would want to i would want to change it and backwards compatibility is a, is a good thing yes <laughs> do you, i don't i don't know if you, you, you oh you totally to in, okay <laughs> no even with superlist i almost wanted to change the format and that's mm. why and then i didn't and i found a way to work with it because i knew if i did that it would break it for people who are using it i think that you should not let that fear hold you back <laughs> That's easier said than done, though, right? Agreed. But what I'm saying is, like, the only reason my plugins came about is because I shared half-baked versions of them and then talked about it. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to get feedback just on Twitter, one or two people sometimes, and I just did it. You know, like, if you worry too much, like, oh, I'm going to probably in the future want to change it. Well, who cares? Future isn't here yet. You're here right now. Yeah. You know, you'll enough. figure it out. Future you will figure it out because you are smart and capable and you will learn things and it will be okay. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> it works. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's going to be the tweet that goes out with this podcast, by yeah. the way. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just want to clip that. I just want to clip that pep just talk. A little tiny end point. And just yeah. keep it, you know, somewhere like on my phone or something. <laughs> yeah. And whenever yeah. I need... Whenever I need a little bit of, you know, just play that clip. It'll be my my morning better. alarm. It'll like, you know, every morning. Like, <laughs> Thank you, Aruba, yeah. for that. Yeah. It like just the the bravery, right? To just yeah. just boldly like 
I have, I have a thing. I want to make it. I'm going to, I'm going to make it. And here you go. <laughs> and did you, did you release anything this year? Corey? No. <laughs> well, here, so, you know, obviously work still continues on our sure, own internal stuff. I, I'm not putting you on plan. I, I know. Um, however, I have started thinking about this episode again recently because I yeah. do have an idea and I have begun work on a plugin that I need in it in two different projects essentially yeah. and that right there it, you know just seeing that suddenly like oh wait that means that I can build a plugin and like do all the things that I've talked about like all the time about building things you know quote unquote right to do, you know doing just native gutenberg block development no ecf again not that I have a problem with it but but building sure. a plugin is different right yeah. and it you know I'm, it needs to I'm stand gonna, on its own. Yeah. Yes. And I'm not going to talk about what that plugin is just no, in case I year. don't end up <laughs> publishing it. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about you, Ruba, as I, as I build this and, and yeah. you better believe that, that, that I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, back. I definitely, you know, I went in and I just like finally released Pendo, which is a WordPress theme that would have been in the back of my head for years, to be honest, and full site editing made it enabled it to become a thing and then it had even a huge re-release just a few weeks ago um because everything has gotten better and yeah hopefully next year that trend continues i definitely have ideas and i'm gonna dive into them and just release them and see what happens onwards yeah and in in that spirit uh the next episode uh episode 17 uh build your product muscle with Leslie Sim, such a, a again like back to back. These episodes yeah. are like a powerhouse of just like build stuff, and here's how. Right, so let's uh, if, listen. To if the you haven't part. listened to these two episodes, listen to them. <laughs> yes. Um, sure. That's the goal. <laughs> uh, there was a there was a re- recent um, tweet that that I saw that that you put out about um, you had a screenshot of a customer's email to you just letting you know that they're moving away from using newsletter glue, not because of newsletter glue, right? But because they were just moving away from WordPress, right? They said something about it being too complicated, right? Mm -hmm. These days. Um, And I'm assuming that's, they mean the Gutenberg editor. Yeah. Right. Like what else has changed that much in WordPress? (laughs) It's, it's the Gutenberg editor, right? So we, obviously have some some hurdles to overcome there so it is it a concern for you that that you kind of you hitched your business right to this ecosystem um and i'm i'm wondering if if like um for instance yoast right they recently uh what is it um they they now have a plugin or something for shopify right so like is there an opportunity to make your service here applicable to other ecosystems or is it are you strictly focused on wordpress um i guess you know with all complicated questions the answer is it depends um and so in this case it's there are a couple of questions in there right so like am i concerned that i've hitched you know hitched my business to wordpress um with gutenberg and you know its popularity um I guess it's there's like advantages and disadvantages, and I'd say like right now, um, the way I see it, it's kind of neutral. So I, what what I mean by that is the like sure there are disadvantages in that 
you know, it's confusing to use. And if you've only ever used the classic editor, moving to the block editor can be kind of frustrating. Um, moving to full site editing is like even worse. Um, you know, and you have all of those concerns. But at the same time, um, what the WordPress ecosystem is huge. Um, I can't remember. I haven't looked at the stats lately, but there's probably something like, I don't know, 20 million people who have who are using the block editor um, or 20 million sites, I mean, or something. I'm making this number up, but I'm sure it's big. Um, don't worry, we and, won't fact check you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it's getting better and better. So the way that I see it, it's less, you know, this thing sucks right now. <laughs> You know, I wish I was on Shopify instead. And it's more mm-hmm. like, um, I feel like I've, I'm have i on like the, I don't like the term bleeding edge because it, you know, but like, like I, I feel like I'm on the forefront of mm-hmm. like, sure. um, a, of a project that is moving forward and it's going to get better. And, you know, I like the idea of being the established player when yeah. it becomes better. Yeah. Visionary. Yeah. Here we are, you know, <laughs> back in just the beginning of this year, like, oh, well, did Gutenberg doesn't do this the way I like. It doesn't do this. Sure. And and here Leslie is like building a whole business on a plugin for Gutenberg because she knows. She knows. She's so, so smart. <laughs> We're so dumb. Yeah. And it's such a good product. It is like a very cool niche thing that works so well so yeah, very cool next clip maybe using less than an ideal word but a little bit bleeding edge of uh, technology um yeah do you see yourself as like you, you say you're on the forefront does is that i mean there's clearly a lot of advantages and disadvantages to that you know lack of uh support and documentation and of course um and one of your replies to this tweet was realistically there is a, a seven to ten year hump that wordpress has to get over and then you mentioned easier full site editing and a modern admin and we actually just got a preview of what a modern admin could look like uh i don't know if you saw that post yeah. come through through core and i'm sure you have because we're all pretty tied into this world <laughs> um can maybe uh get into a little bit like what you how you see that playing out over the next seven years and maybe there's a way to expedite that uh, hopefully so because <laughs> i mean i you know just have having been a developer you know it feels like this the last four years of it being developed have been um gruel, grueling as a developer because yeah. it just things have changed and um you know especially if we're on the agency side and we're building websites for new clients we're building a new website every couple weeks you know every couple of months we're building a new we're starting a new project um and we're having to kind of like it feels like we're having to relearn every couple oh. of months uh how to do our jobs so um which isn't necessarily a terrible thing it's an exciting time but it's also definitely been um a struggle interesting so, times for sure yeah so <laughs> maybe you could uh detail us out what your ideal seven-year hump would look like <laughs> so. um i think yeah, the, the, the seven-year thing is just because, you know, it's open source, things take longer, you know, people want to discuss things. Um, there are no product managers. That's 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 something that, like, I kind of went down um, a mm. rabbit hole um, on for a while. Was I think it started from that tweet as well, actually. Um, I think one of the big problems is there's no, that 
is that there are no product managers on like WordPress or like on the Gutenberg project either. And I think that's like an issue. Like um, the thing that I like always bring up and I think people in automatic are sick of hearing me and other people saying it, but like, you know, how, what, what's the swear? Can we, can we like do hell? Like how the hell? Yeah, can of we, course you can. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. How, like how the hell does like dual tone get shit and not like, uh-huh. Other oh basic gosh. things like that's, <laughs> you're you're triggering you know, me so hard. Yeah, right. right? Now. See, like, <laughs> like because I yeah. had the same thought, and I've been wa- I've been wanting to say this for so long, but it's like, yeah, how does something like Duotone, which seems like a pet project with inside of the, the yeah. core, and honestly, it feels like a trend of the time. Like, you know, this is a very trendy looking thing. It'll be dated in five years. Nobody will want a Duotone image. It'll be something else, and that's totally fine. But like, why is that in core and giving like? Why and was not that like other basic stuff, right? Anything, anything more. <laughs> yeah, anything. Have been better yes. Than Duotone, yes. like you know, like we have, uh, we have, I'm uh, so sorry. Like you've yeah. definitely have pushed a button on me because yeah, I was freaking out when that hit core. Like, and then we literally had to, we're an agency. We 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 build we build we build designed uh, custom designed websites for clients. We we've had to turn off Duotone on every single site we built. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. It's just an extra step we have to take, but. All right, I'm so sorry to cut you into that, but yeah, <laughs> no, like that really yeah, hit a chord with me. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, just to go back, like it doesn't feel like we have project managers. We, well, we don't have product managers, and we don't have a realistic timeline. And we have a blueprint of where we're coming from with WordPress, but we don't have a blueprint of where we're going. Um, like I don't know if we'll ever get some of the features that already exist in WordPress in the newer version of WordPress. Like that's <laughs> like what. You know, you look at the query block and you we just don't know because nobody's answering these questions um, anywhere about like, will we ever get certain aspects of the WP query into the query block? So, yeah, apologize yeah. for cutting you off there. <laughs> I'll let you. Pick I, I feel no, no, I feel your pain. Yeah, this is. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> just to flesh out funny... that. I... Yep. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I'm just gonna say like the funny thing is that when you talk to the people who work on this, like they get it, um, but they they are like triggered, but like in the opposite way because so many people have complained <laughs> about this to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, stop making poor decisions. Sorry. No, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, but just so just to flesh this out a little bit, you so you you put out a tweet that just you you're arguing for. Yeah, when you say product managers, can you can you get into more of what you mean by like wh- how you see it organizationally working mm-hmm. and how it could be better that way? Um, I mean, I, I I don't think I'm in any position to kind of say how I think you know your opinion, WordPress your should opinion. run. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like I mean, there there's so many volunteers now, which is really really cool. Um, the, just the other day, I kind of went onto the WordPress stack for I don't know two minutes or something and saw someone like trying to volunteer to um, be a note taker for meetings and like for that to be their kind of contribution and people were like yeah some teams have like designated note takers and you can contribute in that way and other teams kind of just like you know YOLO it and um, (laughs) you know sometimes there's note sometimes there's not Um, but like you know if you have like if you're at the granularity of note taker as contributor like surely you can have product managers, right? Um, and right now, and 
you know, I'm probably wrong and I'm probably kind of insulting and missing out a whole bunch of people. But the way it seems from the outside, at least, it seems like, you know, there's three or five people in total who are kind of product managing the entire project. Um, you know, Anne McCarthy comes to mind. Um, Matthias, I can't remember what his last name is, comes to mind. Ventura? Yeah. 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 So like, you know, a, a couple of them come to mind, right? And like the fact that they're managing, you know, the entire thing is yeah. bonkers, right? Like that's, that just, you know, any any other like software that's not open source, like that would just never happen. Um, and I think like underneath Matthias, there should be like 10 product managers, like one for the admin, you know, one for this, one for that, um, one for patterns, one for themes, you know, maybe five people yeah. for themes. I don't know. Um, no, I agree. But, I think we... Uh, as developers are always inside of the GitHub issues and just trying mm -hmm. to read what's going on. I, you know, I just kind of, something that we've mentioned, something you kind of mentioned before about the discussions around features is it does seem like you have to write a disrotation to get anything into Gutenberg, uh, which definitely turns a lot of people away from even speaking up. Um, and even if they do, you know, they normally get some crazy long <laughs> rebuttal uh, on why that philosophy is the incorrect way of thinking or something like that. Um, but you do often see the same five names kind of on repeat inside of those GitHub issues. So um, it, it ha and it seems like there's not a lot of consistency, maybe even between some of those people and their philosophies and what they believe, you know, the direction WordPress go or where they're getting their information. You know, I've definitely been, I've, you know, raised issue and gotten responses that were different at different times um, around the same issues, um, which definitely did not instill confidence in the project for, my, for myself as a developer who has to use it every day. Who, who hurt you, Phil? <laughs> what a great clip and what a great conversation. And to continue my <laughs> hatred of Duotone. Uh, <laughs> no, but what a great conversation in general. Uh, again, if you have not listened to these, that, that episode, please go back and listen to it. That was, it's such a long clip. I do want to shit on Duotone more, though. I really <laughs> no, do. And I know the episode is so long, but we'll, oh, I'll save it for a dev chat. All right. But oh my god! Duo tone. <laughs> All right, well, let's move uh, on. I know we're you know we're we're. No, I, we're I will say that episode. like um you know the uh, the insight about product managers I think is yeah. is is spot on. I I don't think that it's still I don't think that's how things are working. But also you have to also balance that with the fact that if there were that many product managers, they would also you know be on automatics payroll for better or worse yeah, that's just sure. the way it is so maybe we just do that certainly interesting though all right the next uh episode <laughs> was feels like almost a kind of a turning point in in the in the you know the year the podcast season almost um i don't know you'll you'll see what i mean when <laughs> i play the clip but uh this is uh this is episode 18 we like Gutenberg, we swear. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very well caffeinated and I have I have a lot of things to talk about today. And it is regarding our dear friend Gutenberg. <laughs> we did this whole, you know, we did this whole numbered series, cute little numbered series thing sure. uh, last year, right? Where um, Yeah. Little you know, spoken every, word. <laughs> every couple of episodes where we wouldn't have a guest we did the dev chat and then like oh here's a segment about like 
Gutenberg because, you know, we were talking about how we used to do things, yeah. how things were transitioning, the state of things at the time, you know, towards the end of the year, right? And then this year, you know, I, it's just kind of part of the WordPress experience now. It's yeah. not generally something that we focused on you know talking about but i do want to i do want to bring it back because we've been working with gutenberg for roughly four years now and um there has been a lot of uh you know I, I, at the like the word camps and such right like talks about um you know fairly high profile talks about like well you know essentially boiling down to without not saying in so many words but essentially boiling down to stop using advanced custom fields mm. you know d don't use advanced custom fields make these you know custom native gutenberg blocks because they're quote-unquote simple enough right they keep getting easier do. i keep hearing everywhere on twitter i keep seeing a new <laughs> blog post about how easy it is and you know and there's you know to be fair there's tons of feature there's like wordpress provides its own workflow that you can use to to make plugins that there's tons sure. of you know useful things for doing similar stuff that we might have done with advanced custom fields but i want to actually talk like get into some like real use cases today and actually like really consider what the hell we're doing <laughs> I, I like this idea because i do often see a lot of uh you know that's theoretical it's, you know you see like documentation that someone put together in a blog post or something and it feels very hello world uh but we don't live in hello world we live in like oh my oh my lord what, what is going on in the world uh you know we're trying to build uh practical websites on a regular basis and um yeah it's kind of where lots of these example blocks start to mm -hmm. break away I love that. I love that quote by you. It's a good one. The Hello World quote. It's fantastic. All you know, the the episode gets into details about, you know, all the sort of decisions that we're having to make in regards to building a yeah. custom block and and how that fits into the sort of work that we tend to do. Um, so if you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out. But the reason the reason why I said that that felt like kind of a you know, a milestone or something in, in the, the podcast year is because th there were kind of two, I don't want to call them spinoff episodes, but like, so we, we had, um, actually the very next episode after that, we had Ryan Welcher on and fortunately Phil couldn't be there for the, for the interview, but you know, Ryan walked us through, you know, some ideas about how he might accomplish some things that we talked about in that episode. And then later on, uh, the last episode, actually, uh, before this one, uh, we had Brian Cords on and, 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 you know, Brian Cords is like us, a, a, another agency developer and, and they are not as all in on Gutenberg. Right. So, um, it was very interesting, like yeah. having these two completely different perspectives, uh, for sure. So this is, uh, episode 19, all in on Gutenberg with Ryan Welcher. The, the other thing that kind of worries me about this approach of going all in with a sort of data-oriented custom post type um, is visual noise. And, and maybe this is just such a backwards way to look at it and such a like, ah, 
you know, you're, you're one of those old school WordPress PHP developers and you, you just want to have input fields, right? Well, you can still have your input fields. Mm-hmm. Like I think, I think, so one, one of the first things, and you know, I, I used to work with Helen, um, hosting D at 10 up mm-hmm. and she, she like opened my eyes to blocks in a way. Um, we had a conversation and the, she said, does it need to be meta? Because prior to Gutenberg, that's all we had, right? We had the title, we had a big content field. There was a couple of hooks where maybe you could put another uh, title in or whatever, but you registered meta boxes, you put in meta. A lot of times that meta didn't get used and right. for anything other just to be output, right? So right. there's there's this idea of changing sort of your mindset as to, well, not changing, but just ex- it's more decisions, uh, granted, but it's it's like, for example, so if you had a, you had a blog post and they wanted to put a reading time on there. And so you entered the reading time, right? Does that need to be meta? Not necessarily. If you're not querying against it, what, you know, that, so that can be a custom block that just gets saved, right? Mm-hmm. Or that can be a paragraph block that just gets saved. So that can go in the content. So, so I think there is that sort of the first, maybe the first thing. And, and for me, that was a hard distinction to make was, does this need to be meta? Because the mm. only tool we had was post meta, right? right? That's all we could do. If you wanted to save anything other than, than the title or content, you had to put it in, in uh, post meta, right? So, so, so now that's a that's a way to think about that, right? So, let, um, and let me clarify. Really, sure. what you're saying it, it doesn't have to be post meta. It, it means like, well, maybe there's some other considerations there, but it, is it something you need to query? Is that like the main? Yeah, well, I I would say that's that's the part, sort of the first cutoff. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you want to save a piece of information about a post just to to display it, it doesn't need to be. I mean, it had to be post meta before because sure. you needed to save it somewhere. But maybe it's a custom block. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a custom you know, t- you know like because what you're doing what like fundamentally what you're doing with a piece of post meta in sort of like the pre Gutenberg days was you put that post meta in. You have a piece of very customized html that wraps it displays it and does something with it Mm -hmm. so what if you just put that in a custom block and then you don't need that 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 meta anymore right so that's that's going to be that's not going to solve 50 percent of the problems right like that's not gonna that's not going to be oh well we don't need to be post meta let's just do a block save with content right but that is something to consider when you're doing this do you need it to be meta or -hmm. you just is that just the tool that everyone reaches for because right. I mean muscle We're memory like for 15 years that's all we've done right so mm-hmm. of course right so yeah and I get that totally um so that's the first thing to to kind of think about and sorry I've lost my train of thought now what was the I had a really good I had another one a really good <laughs> I can't remember now. So, what was the question again <laughs> the question was um the post post meta it doesn't need to be post meta oh, yeah. that's all yeah um and the, oh right, and if it does, you still have the ability to to do it. It's just a slightly different way of doing it, right? Like you used to register a meta box, which you can still do. It just shows up way at the bottom of Gutenberg, but you can you can add a slot fill. And we talked about this kind of earlier in the call, where you can add there's there's a means of adding another little piece of sidebar into the the post edit screen that uh, that allows you to input fields. And that's exactly you know, and then you just write to the post meta. Um, and you've got your, your, your post meta, right? Um, that was kind of the first way that we did it, but then, you know, blocks can also write to post meta. Cause again, this meta is stuff you're most likely just displaying wrapped in custom HTML. So, you know, maybe it needs to be a block, um, for the really, really complicated stuff for the really like structured data stuff. That's like, I don't know what you would be building. I can't think of an example of something that's like, you know, if you're like trying to output a calendar or like something really complicated, um, 
I don't know if the block editor is the right place to do that to begin with. Um, but it depends on what you're doing. So I don't want to say don't do it because you can do really complicated, really cool things in, in, in inside the block editor. Like you can do some, you know, nested blocks and all sorts of fun stuff. You can do really, really cool stuff. Um, but I would, I, I would examine what you're trying to do and then say, mm, maybe like, is a block the right thing? Is the block editor the right place? Maybe I need a custom admin page where I'm, creating my calendar or whatever it is, or my right. events, my you just schedule develop a whole new right. plugin, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so the, I, yeah, I wasn't on this conversation, but I'll say this. I always need more meta, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Does it need to be post meta is, is certainly a, an interesting, like heuristic, um, I guess. Um, I, I'm not, I, I'm not going to put, you know ryan on the spot for maybe having a less than ideal like metaphor but like or you know whatever but the the like you know thinking about it now right the the you know uh, reading time sort of thing that he described right you know if if that is post meta then yeah. you just you know you can just display that in your template and it uh, in you know applies it applies globally to all of your right. posts and you're done right um but you know, in, in the same in the same fashion, if if you're not the you know this you know half C you know half in half out place that we're kind of at right now, hybrid theme, not full site editing, right? Um, that's part of what makes it complicated. Because if you're you know if you're all in on you know the full site editor, yeah, then a block actually makes a lot of sense because you can put the block into the page template, right? The full site sure. editing blog post template. Um, but yeah, then you still you still need like the post meta to put in the number, right? Unless you're you're automatically calculating based on right. the post size, which that's actually yeah. probably what you would do. So I think this, you know, not to dwell, but you know, and I this entire conversation was so great. But you know, I, I went to a conversation we had earlier about the example and tutorials being a little too light. Uh, and you know, it's so interesting. I'm literally building a calendar right now in the blog <laughs> editor. And you know, that was an example of what not to do basically. And, but we're building a hybrid site, but yeah, I almost always need a, some kind of crazy metafield. I need a date picker that does X, Y, Z and outputs it in a certain way. I, I'm not just wrapping it in HTML. I'm doing, I'm always querying in the most complicated ways. For my yeah. Family. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. But you know, that was such a good conversation. And I I feel like we made Ryan a convert because after this he went on to like do his <laughs> Twitch uh, live streams and he had was doing so many ACF Twitch uh, streams um week after week and it was great to see. Um and and now he's even moved on to block he's variations. A, yeah, he's um, a he's an ACF uh, professional now. Yeah, he's a you know uh, an advocate for ACF, I heard. So. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. I, we should clarify that that he was, you know, trying to do some interesting things, yeah. either with, you know, utilizing ACF fields uh, from, you know, the page side and not in ACF blocks, or, you know, doing doing native blocks that that replicate some of the yeah, functionality mimicking of ACF, so. ACF functionality with native and or dynamic blocks. Check out check out Ryan's um, Twitch stream for sure, and his YouTube channel as well, but. Um, more more about that in the actual episode. All right, so the next episode, episode 20, uh, Equal Access with Amber Hines. Let's play the clip. Uh, you, did not, you did not let the horrible stroke of fate deter you. Uh, you moved right on to the Accessibility Checker plugin. Um, we actually had a conversation with Bet 
Hannon back in episode 13, uh, where we talked a little bit about, you know, how to impress upon our clients that accessibility is ultimately their responsibility, right? Um, but sometimes it seems like it might be asking a bit too much of them for 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 they themselves to become accessibility experts, right? So I wonder if maybe that might pertain a little bit to the motivation behind building accessibility checker in the first place. Yeah, I think the the motivation behind building it was, I mean, really, we drew a lot of parallels to some of the SEO plugins that are out there, which is, you know, you launch the website, and it's something that you have to do on an ongoing basis. And we would frequently train clients. And we'd even sometimes be like, here's your PDF checklist. Every time you had a blog post, make sure, you know, you have alt text on your featured image, like, like all these different things, right. But the reality is, is, if it's not right there on the post edit screen, they're going to forget they're humans. We're all, you know, we make mistakes. And so we were like, okay, what can we do? So we talked about some of those SEO plugins where they say, you have headings, <laughs> you have enough words, like all these different things. And we're like, we need to build something that does that, but for accessibility. Um, so that was really the motivation behind building it. And then the other thing, and that's really what is driven Accessibility Checker Pro, which really a ton of agencies are buying more than like actual website owners, is for people that know they want to be more accessible, but they're not really sure where to start or they want like this big picture, where where is the status of my website? Um, what are some low-hanging fruits that like something that's on every page? And if I fix it in one place, it will fix a problem across every page on my website. Um, and that was kind of our thought is maybe we can build something that will help educate people as they're using it so that they can get better and it will make it easier to identify those issues. Now, can it identify everything? No, because there are some problems that require a human being to assess or um, that just literally can't be figured out with a software program running an algorithm. Mm -hmm. um, but that said, like it is... It is something that even if they only do this, it, there are problems that it can find that will definitely make websites better and more accessible. Um, it shouldn't be the be all end all, but if a client or a individual blogger gets our free plugin and it helps improve their website even a little bit, like that is a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's kind of part of our thing about why we have a free version because we legitimately want to see a change in the WordPress ecosystem when it comes to accessibility, since so many websites are built on WordPress. Um, so we will always have a free version and it will always be a, as much as we can, like a very full featured free version, because I just want people to have more accessible websites and cost becomes a problem, especially for small businesses. Right. And so we're trying to create something that makes it, that balances some of that. The accessibility checker plugin just, generally feels like one of those like you know uh load-bearing plugins mm. of the of the wordpress space um and it might be early days but i think they're positioned just perfectly for that to just it feels like it's just going to explode um for sure all right moving on to the last episode before this one uh episode 21 mastering theme development with brian cords this was a, a special unique episode because it wasn't just the 
the podcast, but also it had a companion article on uh, the Master WP uh, blog and newsletter. So, um, you know, if you haven't, go go check that out. But for now, here's a clip. You know, when when Gutenberg first launched, how did your agency react to it? And and you know, what's how have you been continued like up until today? Like, what is the relationship that you have with Gutenberg? Yeah, and I've been following your podcast episodes and like, you know, especially the recent ones where you did the, it was kind of like the list of the issues. And then you had, <laughs> was it Ryan Welcher? I think came on yes. and, he yeah, did, and addressed. We did like a follow up with, with Ryan where, you know, he made a ton of great points. Of course, that that first episode that you're talking about was one where we basically just kind of went through like all the decisions that we have to make that are compounded by the fact that, we're building not just a WordPress site, but also a Gutenberg enabled site. And that, and that that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a fact. And then the, yeah, that follow-up with Ryan was, you know, he's all in on Gutenberg. That's the title of the episode. Right. And, you know, g- getting some ideas from, from his perspective on how we could potentially handle those in a, like a Gutenberg first kind of way. Yeah. Our experience, well, the first few years, we just didn't use it outside of, I think, blog posts. I think you build a website and if the client is going to use the blog, then I, you know, leave it on for the blog post basically where they're just, they want, you know, a nice writing experience. It is, you know, hands down, I think Gutenberg is the best blog writing experience. Um, To me, I prefer it. Yeah, right? But it makes a great editor for sure. Yeah. I find myself in Google Docs trying to do things now that you can do in the oh, block yeah. editor. <laughs> yeah. So, great. but then, you know, I think the first few years it was kind of like, well, I don't think there was a question that it was super production ready for big websites. And so I think it was easy to just kind of ignore it for a while and continue with what we did, which is under strap theme, which is like bootstrap HTML and CSS, uh, you know, ACF fields on the back end and, and custom HTML on the front end. I think that's like a pretty standard approach. I, you know, we kind of sat with that for a long time. It was this year when I went to WordCamp US and I like sat and watched the Matt Mullenweg speech. And there was a lot of like people asking him like, you know, can you just keep the classic editor on, classic editor on? And yeah. <laughs> And and then I thought, well, we don't actually use the classic editor at all. (laughs) That's the weird thing. Like, don't use the classic editor, but but people are saying that you build classic themes. So what's what's going on? Exactly. And then, but then Matt's response was like something like, you know, oh, just take your client and spend an hour with them and teach them how to use the new stuff, and there you go. And then I thought, what? (laughs) Like, what world is that? I don't. Yeah. Like that's, that's. that's not at all, I think, what the conversation is about. It's not like a training of a client issue. Because I think clients actually, you know, I see the potential for the block editor for clients, you know. But it's the it's the theme building. It's the the design element. So I'm just now in the place of like, I feel like it's, it's I feel like it's page building capabilities are maybe ready, but I'm not 100% sure. And, and then that's why... That's why I'm talking to you because I feel like you're you're like ten <laughs> steps ahead and you you kind of you're doing the experimenting that somebody needs to be doing <laughs> and bringing back. We the definitely knowledge. experiment quite a bit here. It's been a very interesting couple years, especially these last two years, trying to build WordPress sites with the Gutenberg editor. And we, we don't call them classic themes; like we very much yeah. call them hybrid themes because um, you know our 
most of our footers are block enabled. They're using the widget area that is just a big block area that people can slam. Like, usually the header and footer are, are the most boring aspect of the site that's mostly PHP. And then the entire middle part is like Gutenberg or right. block editor. Um, <laughs> but I'd have to say in the last year, it's actually kind of even evolved for me where I'm actually kind of going backwards a little bit. I, you know, we've had some very interesting conversations on the podcast. Um, and even Ryan, where he kind of encouraged, like, hey, you don't need to use it for everything. You know, the PHP templates still kind of exist there for a reason. Um, and, you know, they're not going anywhere immediately. <laughs> uh, definitely scares me some days that I'm, like, going to lose <laughs> certain functionality. But, um, you know, I, I've... Uh, going back to the episode where we kind of talked about all the decision making that we've had, I've kind of reincorporated a lot of the older PHP style back into my decision making. Um when doing certain types of client work, you know, I'm building a theater website currently right now, and it just didn't make sense to use the block editor for individual films because they all need to look the same. You know, it, it just, you know, that's a very data input thing and the block editor currently doesn't handle that. Like while we're starting to get new features, like locking down blocks and content only patterns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's just not in the place right now where I feel like I could give it to a client and feel confident that they would be able to have the experience that I've been able to craft for other clients in the past. Mm -hmm. So I am, I'm really glad that we had, uh, that we had Brian on. It started getting to a point where I, I felt like I was, you know, or didn't realize it, but I, but I, I guess I was kind of almost forcibly sticking my head into that echo chamber of, you know, kind of what we talked about earlier or earlier in the year, like stop using ACF, build everything in Gutenberg, that kind of, that kind of thing. And, you know, it's certainly something that, that I've been striving towards all year is to do more and more things as blocks, more customizable. Um, but it, you know, it was great to hear from another, you know, agency developer that, you know, had kind of not a completely opposite take, but a much more cautious one. Like we, we have, we have this workflow in place. It's working really well. There's no reason to, to change that. Um, and plus, you know, it wasn't just Brian speaking for himself. He's also a maintainer of the understrap uh, theme scaffolding, right? Which is, is a bootstrap theme scaffold um that just very much is not really upgradable in place right for you know to just start doing gutenberg stuff because yeah. and it would be a huge undertaking to rework to you know meet some of the newer ways of doing things right so yeah. it was great to hear that perspective and obviously like a super yeah you know huge ego <laughs> boost to hear him say like oh you guys are i'm, was, I'm yeah. asking you because you're the experts like well it was nice oh. to have some solidarity that like other agencies sure. are struggling with the same things we are. And then it was also great to just hear like, Hey, you guys are, are on the the cutting edge of uh, what is happening out there in certain cases. For sure. For sure. Well, um, that's, uh, that's, that's, we finally gotten through all, that is all, all of the, the episodes. Clips. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's i don't know it's it's too long already so let's just, <laughs> just let's just end this thing Cut here. It off. yeah yeah i um but before we do i'd like to sincerely thank uh both our guests this year as well as you the listener um i have to admit that i was nervous right about about running the show this year particularly about finding 
you know, finding guests and also finding, you know, an audience, right? Um, since I, I'm certainly not any sort of name in WordPress and you feel more, more so than I really not even a little, <laughs> but, um, but if there's one thing I've learned, it is that the WordPress community is a welcoming place. And we actually recently surpassed 1500 listens, um, you know, which is pretty small potatoes, honestly, but it's still pretty great considering yeah. our audience, uh, is most likely folks like us doing similar work. So, you know, they're obviously very cool and smart people <laughs> it's been a great response this year <laughs> so thank you very much and we will be back in february 2023 but in the meantime please email us if you're interested in being on the show or really want us to interview someone that you know uh, just let us know what you do and what topic you'd really like to focus on you won't regret it while fragnum opus plays this out Here's what our guests had to say about being on the show. These are public tweets. You can't take them back now. <laughs> Links in the show notes. From Bet Hannon. It was a lot of fun talking with you and Jack on that podcast episode. Thanks, Bet. You too. From Allie Nimmons. This is probably one of my favorite interviews I've given. Thank you so much to the In The Loop team for having me. Oh, thank you so much, Allie. That's really appreciated. From Aruba Ahmed. Had a fun conversation with Corey and Phil today. I love that doing speaking things helps me connect with cool people, especially when it's with folks like these two that are just fun to talk to in general. Ah, you're fun to talk to. <laughs> From Leslie Sim, whoop whoop, really enjoyed this. We talked about building plugin products when working at an agency, the WordPress ecosystem, and newsletter glue, of course. Thanks for hosting me, Corey and Phil. Thank you, Leslie, for being on the show. From Ryan Welcher, this was a blast. Looking forward to it going live. Well, I had a blast too, and I'm sure it's not the last we've heard from you, Ryan. From Amber Hyens, this was such a fun episode to record. Watch for it on Wednesday. Thank you, Amber. From Brian Cords, super excited about this episode and my corresponding Master WP article coming this week, where I got to dig into WordPress agency stuff in the era of block editing with Corey and Phil. Thanks so much, Brian. It was educational all around. That's all for this episode and season two of In The Loop. I hope that if you heard something that piqued your interest and you haven't previously listened to the episode that was highlighted, you'll go back and listen to it in full. Particularly any one of the interviews we did this year, we're incredibly honored to have had such amazing guests and thank you all so much. Join us next year for a new season of In The Loop, starting back up in February. If you're interested in being on the show or have someone in mind that you'd love to hear from, send us an email at podcast at blackbird.digital with a topic suggestion or two. And of course, don't forget to send your questions, thoughts, and fan mail to the same address. You can also find us on the web at blackbird.digital slash podcast and on Twitter as in the loop underscore WP. If you're interested in having a WordPress website custom built, or you want to join a team that does that, head over to our site at blackbird.digital and drop us a line. Thanks for listening to Season 2 of In The Loop. Happy holidays, and we'll see you next year.